a lot of people now are saying we have tried everything except except the far right. So that's that's really really something important. And Macron, who was the one to to able to fix that, didn't. So he's also now uh, seen as a mainstream candidate uh, in some way, uh, coming from the old parties in some way. Hello and welcome to Think Atlantic, a series by IRI's Transatlantic Strategic Division in which we provide you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. My name is Thibaut Muzerg and I'm your host for this show. Today we are going to talk about France because voters around the country are heading to the polls this Sunday for the first round of the presidential election. To have this conversation, I am joined by Bruno Jambard, who is an old friend of IRI and a terrific French pollster. Bruno is vice president at Opinion Way, uh, which is a uh, leading uh, company in France for polling and a pioneering company in terms of online polling and innovation in uh, polling in Europe. He is also the author of a great book that I really enjoyed uh, reading five years ago, and it's called La Présidence Anormale, which is a it's a, a look back at the presidency of François Hollande through the prism of public opinion. Bruno, I would have loved you to do the same thing uh, for the presidency of uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, but here we are. Uh, it's great to have you on board. Thanks for taking the time uh, and welcome to the show. Thank you to welcome. So, um, Bruno, let's be honest. If we look back at this election, this has not been a super exciting and eventful campaign, very, very, very far from the very high standards that were set in 2017. And uh, uh, in the end, except if there is a major surprise this Sunday, uh, it looks right now as if the second round is going to be anything but a surprise. Uh, so if I, I am to trust the polls, it looks like we're in for a repeat of five years ago with Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen uh, being the main candidates and making it to the second round. But that doesn't tell the whole story uh, of this campaign because we've seen a number of candidates uh, rise to prominence for a while. And if I trust my, my personal focus groups, the repeat of the 2017 duel uh, was exactly what a lot of people wanted to avoid this time. And uh, Yet here we are, just a few days before the election. Looks like everybody's gone back to, uh, well, not everybody, but a, a majority of people have kind of gone back to the idea of a second round between uh, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen. How do you, how do you explain this? Um, did the French just fail to find what they would have seen as a viable alternative to uh, this showdown? Or, or is a, a Macron-Le Pen duel just inescapable? As you said, it's a strange situation where a majority and a huge majority of people would like to avoid this repeat, the runoff of 2017 between Le Pen and Macron, and where uh, a few days before the election, it seems that it's going to be the new runoff for 2022. During a long time, this campaign has looked like the, the presidential election in 2002 when the uh, uh, second round was announced between uh, Chirac, the conservative candidates, and Jospin, the socialist candidates. And at the end, we had this big surprise with the qualification of Le Pen father uh, for the second round instead of Jospin. Uh, and we had the same during the campaign. A lot of people didn't want to have again the match between Jospin and Chirac. This time, it seemed that it's going to happen even if people wanted to avoid it. And I think 
there are main reasons uh, which are from different uh, composition. The first one is that they look like to the French voters for an alternative, but they didn't find one which was uh, acceptable for them. I mean, when we look at the story of the campaign, first we had this rising of Zemmour, another far-right candidate, a kind of populist, new populist candidate, a journalist uh, who came from nowhere, uh, never has done politics, and uh, uh, tried to do uh, a bit like Trump uh, in the U.S. election in 2016, trying to catch the voters from the far right and from Marine Le Pen, because he felt that there was uh, some weakness in the Le Pen candidacy that we have seen during the regional election last year where the Rassemblement National made lower uh, than expected uh, with the fact that a lot of people were still very disappointed by the fact that she missed the uh, second round debate against Macron in 2017 and was very, very bad in this exercise. And he, he succeeded to rose quite quickly until in our polls 14%, in some polls 16 uh, Only a few polls put him on the second round, but he was very close to Le Pen at one moment, and Le Pen came very low uh, in the polls, around 16, only 15. When I looked at my data, I realized that since 2012, I haven't seen Marine Le Pen so low in a presidential poll, around 16%. So it was really a big change. But Zemmour didn't succeed to stay on his track and to be able uh, to convince, at the end, a lot of voters to vote for him. It now is only polling around 10 uh, which is still very impressive for a candidate coming from nowhere in France, but uh, very far away from a qualification for the second round, because he was not able uh, to do what people are expecting for a presidential election. First, you have to talk about the future, not only the past. And, and Zemmour has made a very conservative campaign, only about the France we lost, never about the France we will have if he was elected. And secondly, because he was not able to go out of his a main issue uh, of the campaign, which was immigration, and was not able to feel that a lot of people are also very concerned about economic uh, issues like uh, purchasing power, like unemployment, and and he was not able to go on this side and on these problems. So that was the first thing that we've seen trying to avoid this Le Pen uh, Macron uh, rerun uh, in 2022. The second one was when. Valérie Pécresse, the conservative candidate, was nominated by our party in December. She rose very quickly also, around 17, 18, sometimes in a position to be qualified for the runoff, always very close with the others, and especially Marine Le Pen, but sometimes in front of Marine Le Pen in the polls. She was also doing and polling better than Le Pen on, on second-round polling, against Macron. She was close to be able to beat Macron on the second round, which is not the case for the moment in our polls for Le Pen. Uh, and so we thought that maybe she would be the one who could uh, break this duel announced. And she was not able also uh, to convince uh, during our campaign, and especially to show what would be a France with the presidency of Pécresse. I mean, what does it mean for the French? What would be a uh, uh, the country, uh, if she was the president tomorrow. I think she missed something because there was, in the mood of the public opinion, a very good situation for a woman to be elected for the first time 
uh, to the presidency. But she missed a lot of events during the campaign. She, she did a very bad first rally, February, March. She missed also her ability to, uh, to attack Macron on his weakness. She was also uh, unable to fight uh, uh, against uh, the idea that uh, uh, she was only a, a kind of a Macron beast, uh, a, a very close from him and not very uh, uh, different and not proposing something very different. So we saw also this time that. And now we're seeing the far-left candidate, Mélenchon, rising in the polls. He's, he's still quite far away from Le Pen in our polls. He's five, point, five points behind. But we are seeing in the campaign a lot of attempts to, to avoid that. But we don't succeed. And I think one of the reasons we don't succeed is, as I said, the candidate we are not able to convince the other candidates. And we we can see a kind of weak candidates in front of Macron and Le Pen at the end. When we look at them, uh, we had better candidates probably in the opposition uh, five years ago with Fillon for the Conservatives, for example. Mélenchon was also stronger five years ago than he is now. Um, and the second reason was the international context, clearly. I mean, when the Ukraine war began, clearly it was really something that helped Macron. We saw Macron rising by six points at that time, which was really, really uh, stronger. Uh, I mean, uh, six points during one week. Uh, we, we haven't seen Macron moving in the polls um, in, any, uh, in any of the polling uh, during a lot of months. And here, in one week, we saw Macron rising by six points. So uh, clearly, it was a game changer in the election. So as you said, uh, people wanted to avoid that, but there was real possibility to do that. So it seems that we're going to do this re-game and this re-match uh, in, in one week now. Mm. So... Yeah, it looks like, you know, very large that this year we have a very large pool of candidates, but and I don't want to insult the, the other candidates, but it looks like it is uh, a weak pool, at least compared to the, the Macron-Le uh, Pen uh, duet. Um, I'll, I'll get back to the, the war in Ukraine uh, a little bit uh, later, but first I would like to talk a little bit about political disruption, because it's a theme we care a lot about at IRI. We currently are running a, a, a program on this very issue, and, and, and there's, let's be honest, there's, there's plenty of political disruption in France at the moment. Moment. Bruno, you you went through the the main uh, the main candidates uh, kind of one by one. Uh, what is interesting is that France is obviously quite rowdy a country. It has this uh, uh, reputation of uh, being the country of strikes and uh, uh, you know and, and, and industrial unrest and political unrest with the yellow vest, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but it's also a rich country, right? It's part of the G7, second biggest economy in the EU. Great cheese and wine. You would imagine that this would calm people down, but yet people seem to be extremely unhappy with their situation. I would say also very unhappy with their politics. So I looked this morning at your website and you went through the the, the, the numbers with us. If, if I look at the three main anti-system candidates and, you know, there are other anti-system candidates at one, two, three percent. But if I, if I look just the three main anti-system candidates, we get 46 percent of the votes. Uh, that's uh, the those that you mentioned, TV, ex-TV pundit uh, Eric Zemmour on the uh, on the on the very far right, I would say at ten percent, uh, right wing populist Marine Le Pen at twenty twenty one percent, and uh, Jean Luc Mélenchon right now is at fifteen percent. What, what does this high support for for disruptors tell us about the state of French society? I mean, can we really talk about malaise in French society today? Yes, there's clearly a political malaise in the French society. I mean, we we are doing a trust political barometer. Uh, 
since 2009. It's 13 years, and uh, and we see year after year how many people uh, are uh, disappointed with politics and politicians. And uh, for example, uh, I mean, if we look at the uh, situation of the incumbent Emmanuel Macron, I mean, he's the president who has been under 50% of popularity rating uh, since three months after the, his election. He had all the mandate, a negative judgment on his action. Uh, I mean, if you look at many countries, it's not always the, the case. I mean, it's if you compare to the US, clearly, normally, the president and most of the president are, have more than 50% of, of popularity ratings during an important part of the mandate. Not all the mandate, but some. Here, it's, I mean, it's, if it's like if after three months, the people doesn't like what you are doing and are not happy with you as a president and, and you feel like that during five years and now is in situation of being reelected, which is uh, a bit surprising, of course. But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of political malaise. There's a lot of, of, of people who think that the uh, politicians are, 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 are dishonest. Uh, uh, and corrupted. Uh, it's about 65% of the French uh, who think that uh, politicians are corrupted. There's less than one French out of two thinking that uh, democracy is, is functioning well in the country. So there is a lot of indicators showing that there's, there's uh, dissatisfaction with politics. And one of the paradox of this election was that was one of the reasons why Macron was elected five years ago. He was elected because he was coming out of the uh, political traditional spectrum. He was not from the mainstream parties well, who, who ruled the country for 40 years, the socialist on the left, the conservative on the right. Uh, and he, he was a promise to, uh, to rebuild new, a new politics uh, and a new way to do politics and a new uh, uh, a contract between the citizens and the politicians. And on this part, he totally failed to do that. Uh, and so that's why we are still seeing about near than 50%, as you said, who are voting for, uh, I would say, what we can call populist candidates, because on the far left, Mélenchon is a kind of left populist candidate, clearly. I, I mean, just to remind you, he's supporting uh, Chavez and Castro, for example, I mean, uh, which is unbelievable in, in 2022. Um, uh, on the uh, on the far right, uh, both Zemmour, the, the the far right pundit, and uh, Le Pen, the, the the leader of the, the national rally, uh, are clearly populist candidates. So I think there's a lot of people which are still waiting uh, to have a change in the country on politics to to find something new. Macron did succeed to do that, but the problem was that the opponent. Uh, the uh, mainstream opponent on the socialist or the conservative were not able to to show that they have learned from their from their defeat uh, five years ago and were able to uh, fix that and probably here also we have this missing very important missing from Pécresse because the conservative party in France has a very old image I mean people think it's an old party. Uh, doing old politics, so they were really disappointed with that, and they, they had no confidence in it. But the fact that they have chosen a woman, which is in this old conservative party, was a, a big surprise. Could have been a, a way, a path for them to to show that they have changed and they were trying to do something new. But Pécresse didn't 
succeed to do that. And I think that's explaining also why so many people are going on the populist and on disruptors uh, in politics uh, candidates because Macron didn't succeed to, to fix the, 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 the relationship between citizens and politics. And, and the, uh, the mainstream didn't succeed to, to, to hear that and to hear that uh, need of change from, from the voters. Uh, and so, and so the populists, they are able to do that. And, and we, we are going to discuss that probably when we talk about the second round, but that's really an issue. A lot of people now are saying we have tried everything except, except the far right. So that's, that's really, really something important. And Macron, who was the one to, to able to fix that, didn't. So he's also now uh, seen as a mainstream candidate uh, in some way, uh, coming from the old parties in some way. And especially because he tried to show that he was gathering people from the left and from the conservatives. And so doing that, he had a lot of people who were in the old party around him, showing that in some way, is a old politician now five years after his first election. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the question of mainstream parties embracing a little bit disruption is obviously something that is uh, very dear to our hearts, and uh, we will probably uh, talk about this again in Think Atlantic in the in, in the coming weeks. But um, it looks like the, the the second round is going to be much closer this time uh, than 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 last time around. So I think it it, it is showing that that people are. are are more and more ready to embrace to embrace something completely different uh, because they have the feeling that uh, everything else has failed. But but talking about uh, uh, things that failed, one thing that I wanted to talk to you about and, and have your your thoughts about is the um, the French party system, or rather, <laughs> lack thereof. Um, uh, because I mean, we've had a pretty much uneventful campaign. Uh, there's there's, there are a lot of reasons for that. Macron go, going in late, uh, COVID, the war in Ukraine. Seems that not a lot of people are that interested in in, in this campaign right now. Uh, but if, if I mean, there has been one constant during the whole campaign, which is the sort of domination of, of Emmanuel Macron. I've never seen him in your polls or in any polls for that matter below twenty five percent. Very very far. Uh, away from uh, any other potential uh, uh, rival, and you know, right now he's. It, lo it looks like he's likely uh, to be re-elected, but um, behind the apparent success, there are a lot of issues, and uh, uh, you mentioned quite a few. Uh, but but one that, as a political party specialist, I find uh, really remarkable is that he has destroyed the old party system, which, we, which you mentioned the socialist and the conservative party, socialist and, and, and les républicains. Um, so he has destroyed that that bipolarism. Uh, but th there's there's not much that came. Uh, in, in its place. I mean, if you look at uh, his movement on Marsh, it, uh, you know, it, 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 it uh, carried him to power, but it, it didn't manage to, uh, to transform into a political party. And apart from the, uh, from the elections, the European elections, in which they actually came behind Le Pen, uh, they didn't win any major election. There was no, no, major, no major city, no region came to, for, for, for the party. Um, the, if, if I look also on the other side, Marine Le Pen used to have a strong party, but now most of the cadres of that party have gone to Eric Zemmour. So how would you characterize the, the, the party system in France? Or is it just something that is just non-existent and we have to deal with it? Macron has destroyed everything, but he, he, he didn't succeed for the moment 
in, in his in his first term to uh, to rebuild something, and that's uh, that's a huge problem. I mean, the French have always been very uh, in the mood of uh, anti-parliamentarism. Uh, they they don't like their MPs for for a long time, and that's why we have this strong uh, a system uh, where they like to uh, uh, to uh, elect their president uh, because um, they, there is there's a trend in France for direct democracy, which is very strong, and uh, a, a lot of distrust to uh, uh, representative democracy. But now we have this problem because. As we are not a federal federal state, as the uh, local powers are very limited, uh, we now have only the president uh, and the French, and and that's what we seen uh, uh, three years ago with the Yellow Vest movement. I mean, the the problem is that we don't have any political parties strong now. So what happens is that when you have a political opposition, it's becoming to be only on the street. And it's no more uh, coming from uh, somewhere else, uh, and 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 that's very dangerous. That's very dangerous because uh, with a, a movement like the the Yellow Vest, what we have seen is that it can be a very strong uh, movement of uh, of protest, but you don't have any political solution at the end because you don't have any uh, representation of the Yellow Vest. I mean, when you look at who are the people who are supporting the Yellow Vest and who are they voting for, they are voting both for far left, uh, far right, uh, they don't have now a, a party who, who represents them and who is able to uh, uh, to support their demands uh, on, on the political side. So that's a huge problem. Uh, I think he failed to do that because he didn't want to do that. I mean, Macron thinks that it's only him with the people, with the French people, him with... And, and he thinks that in some way, the others are quite stupid, not very good. Uh, uh, in, in the political system, and you can't really uh, rely on a political party uh, that you are not going to uh, directly uh, lead and, and govern, uh, because uh, these people will be too weak to be able to uh, give you the support that you need. So he has built everything on this idea that it's Macron and the people straight and the French people straight uh, directly, and um, and and that's I think a problem because. It can make an election becoming not anymore a, a decision and a choice between Macron and another candidate, but a choice between uh, do we want to keep or not Macron? And there is, a, as I said, there is a, a majority of people who are not satisfied with the way he has made his mandate and what he achieved during his first uh, term. And and the second part why it is dangerous is that if you are not uh, represented in the local powers, or they didn't succeed to to do what what is going to happen? Even if Macron is reelected in in three weeks, uh, what is going to happen when he will leave uh, uh, the the political life? I mean, in any way, he will have to live in in two thousand seven uh, twenty seven because he, he can't be reelected a third time. So if he has no party, we will have. The Conservative Party destroyed, the Socialist Party destroyed, uh, no new uh, progressive party in the middle. What will, what will be only the, the, the party that will remain and will stay in the French political life will be the far-right party of, of Le Pen, maybe without Le Pen, but the, the National Rally is, a, is probably the, the last 
strong party in the country. So that's something that we have to uh, uh, take into account. And uh, I think if Macron is re-elected, one of the main issues for him and his, his, his own uh, supporters will be to, to build this force, to build this force to be able to have this balance uh, against uh, uh, the far right and the populist uh, in five years. Uh, if we if we want to uh, to avoid the fact that there will be the only opposition, and yeah, I think this reminds us of the uh, the importance of having these uh, uh, intermediary corpses, as we call them in France, the corps intermédiaire. But uh, uh, you know, the importance of having political parties, and uh, it is one of the uh, one of the interesting features of Emmanuel Macron is that he was elected as an anti-populist, but some obviously some of his uh, Uh, some of the features of his policy, and, and, and notably his uh, his attitude to to political parties and, and, and to trade unions, is in many ways uh, what you would say populistic. Uh, which is, I mean, that, that I find that an interesting um, an interesting feature of the of the of the presidency. Uh, but anyway, uh, moving on, I'd like to us to 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 take a little bit of time to to look back. Uh, Uh, not at the campaign because there was not there's, there was not really one, uh, but but at how uh, Ukraine has impacted the campaign. You you mentioned the numbers uh, a few minutes ago, and uh, you showed us that 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 Macron went up uh, quite spectacularly at the start of the uh, at the start of the uh, of the Ukraine war, and obviously uh, Eric Zemmour was also clearly. Uh, impacted. I mean, Zemmour was uh, a candidate who actually said that he wanted a French Putin and and said a lot of nice things about Vladimir Putin. And of course, uh, as the French public opinion uh, kind of rallied uh, behind the Ukrainians in some ways, uh, then you know, the, the the obviously that that had an impact. But w were there were there other impacts? I mean, would you say that 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 Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, was a game changer for the campaign? And beyond the ratings, has it? Do you feel that it has fundamentally altered the the mood among French people? I'm saying this also, realizing that there there is a significant level of uh, Russophilia in the in in the in French society for for plenty of different reasons. But has this been impacted by the war in Ukraine, or is it just episodic? Um, I think, as you said, there is a, a lot of Russophilia in the. In the political uh, spectrum, uh, I mean, if you look at the candidates in this election, which have taken positions clearly in in favor of Putin in the past, we have three of the fifth main candidates who, who did that: uh, Le Pen, uh, Mélenchon, Zemmour, Henri Pécresse, and Macron were clearly not in in that in that side. So, uh, I mean, it shows how. How the, uh, the this idea of alliance with Russia is strong in the political uh, uh, spectrum in France. It's less important in the French public opinion. I mean, we have done some research about the, the perception of the European war, and only 14% of the people uh, did not say that it was the, f the 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 fault of Russia this war. It was uh, the the decision of Russia, and 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 only 14% said that we didn't have to support Ukraine. So, uh, I mean, uh, the public opinion is clearly pro-Ukraine um, in, in this conflict, and there is no issue about that. Uh, but it has been a game changer for, I think, two reasons. First, it happened before the, the declaration of candidacy of Macron, 
And so, uh, he, he, as I said, he rose for six points in, in our polls. He was 24 before the, the beginning of the war. He, had, he, he reached 30% 10 days after the beginning of the war. Uh, and, and it avoided him what was a big danger for him, the fact that when he was going to declare himself as a candidate, he, he would be, as usually we see for the presidential uh, the, the president incumbent uh, in the campaign decreasing in the poll with 24 25 if he had decreased it could have been very dangerous uh because he could have been close to 20 at the end with this level of 30 it was no more an issue for him to to decrease and now we can see that him decreasing for one or two weeks but he's is at 27 so he has a margin of uh, security uh, 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 in, in some way. That was the first uh, thing that the war changed. The second thing that the war changed, as I said, is the, the, the impact on Zemmour, who clearly suffered from that. And so the, 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 the balance of this suffering of Zemmour is the increasing of Le Pen. And so it, it, it allowed Le Pen clearly to recatch some voters that uh, wanted to vote for Zemmour. I mean, before the war, about 35% of the voters of Le Pen five years ago wanted to vote for Zemmour this time. Now, after the war, we have only 15, so twice less. So clearly it explained the, the rising of Le Pen and the decrease of Zemmour. And it, it also uh, makes the, the certainty uh, of this uh, runoff between Macron and Le Pen much more important after than before. But the last point that we have to notice is that the effect of the war is really decreasing now. Uh, we have this question about the, the main issues of the campaign. And when we, uh, when the war occurred, uh, we, we, of course, we had this item about uh, the motivation of vote will be the war in Ukraine. 34% of the people at the beginning said when we uh, put the item that they were voting on the uh, Ukraine war. Uh, uh, motivation. It was the fourth uh, uh, priority for the French. Uh, about we, we are testing more than twelve. Uh, um, and now, uh, after uh, one month of conflict, uh, it has decreased a lot. It's today only twenty three percent. It has decreased uh, after one or two weeks every week, and it's only on rank uh, nine uh, on the priorities of the French. So. We have seen that very, uh, very quickly falling. And the question about that is, uh, does, does at the end, will it change totally the election as we have seen because it was going close from the election and, uh, and this rising of Macron and Le Pen was too strong to, to, to be, uh, uh, softened after, uh, after the, this decline of the priority in the Ukraine war or, uh, that it makes possible until uh, until uh, the first round uh, again some new changes or for the second round uh, new changes and that's a question that we have uh, clearly because uh, before uh, two weeks ago or three weeks ago I guess that the Macron side and the Macron supporter were pretty uh, uh, confident against Le Pen on the debate between the two rounds because they could discuss about this issue of weapons supporting Russia and Putin. Uh, now, with this decline, it may be going to be much more difficult to uh, uh, to uh, to be uh, able to uh, 
uh, to capitalize on that. Okay. That, that, that's super interesting. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Bruno. Uh, I'd like, uh, we have time for one last question and I'd like to focus on uh, basically on your job here uh, because, uh, I mean, one of the things that is really remarkable when you follow a French uh, presidential election is how addicted the French are to polling. Uh, they just love it. Uh, I, I guess it's good for your business, but but it, it's really uh, impressive, Bruno. I think we hit a new high this year. That I, I, I think I see at least one new poll published every day, uh, and that's been going on for the past month, more or less. And I mean, I'm wonder. I'm actually wondering whether, at least per capita, France is not producing more polls during a presidential campaign than than the United States, which is uh, a pretty impressive. But so the French people are addicted to it, but but politicians remain quite critical about it. And let's be honest, they do that. They are critical, especially when the polls are bad for them. But don't they have a point? Uh, I mean, polls have not been very accurate, so to speak, uh, the past few years. And I think we've got a few examples, Brexit, Trump. Um, and, and you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that, that there was a, a major surprise in 2002 when uh, Jean-Marie Le Pen got qualified to the second round. Do the critics have a point? When they say, you know, the polls are useless, the polls are wrong, and one of your colleagues at Opinion Way uh, uh, wrote a, a great book actually about French presidential candidates and, 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 and pollsters and polling, which is fascinating. But, but how do you explain this love-hate relationship uh, the French have for the polls? And, and again, what do you answer to the critiques that, that, that you guys don't know what you are doing? I think it's uh, one of our board members who said that on the, 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 the day after a, uh, uh, a presidential election in the U.S. not so long ago. As you said, there is a kind of addiction of the French uh, about polling, and uh, not only the, uh, the, the the public opinion and, uh, and the journalists and the pundits, but also the uh, uh, clearly also the uh, the politicians. I mean, just one one thing to illustrate that: uh, ten days ago, we had for the first time Zemmour under ten percent in the in our polling in our daily polling, nine percent he, he was polling this day, and. 30 minutes after we released that, I had a call from a spin doctor of Zemmour, uh, for, who I never talked with uh, before, uh, asking, oh, I would like to talk with you and to discuss with you uh, about your last poll. Uh, so, so you can see how, even if they are criticizing them a lot in the media, they are watching him very closely. And when I discussed with, uh, with her, I realized that uh, the point was that she was not calling to a... a to tell me that I was doing, uh, uh, I was doing uh, something very strange, uh, uh, un- impossible. But she was clearly worried about the fact that we found them more so low in our polling, and she wanted to understand why and to uh, to be able to, uh, uh, to 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 understand if we uh, if if it was a, a, a very bad sign or not for them. Uh, I. It's clear that uh, uh, it's it's we have be, to be very careful about polling. I mean, it's difficult to poll uh, today for many reasons. Uh, I, I cross fingers because uh, since 2002, we didn't have bad polling in the French presidential election. And I hope it's going to be the same this time. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at different uh, change in our democracy, the fact that there's uh, less and less turnout uh, in, in a lot of elections, and especially in France, I mean, we are... Uh, going out from the COVID with two elections with less than 35% of turnout. I mean, we, we feel that the turnout in this election 
who is being who is going to be very low for a presidential election. So low turnout. The fact that uh, low low trust in politicians and low expectation about about what will be the result of the election, uh, which makes that voters can change quite easily now from a candidate to another uh, uh, compared to the past. The fact that in France also. We don't, we, are, we don't have only two candidates. I mean, we have 12 candidates on this first round. So we have uh, uh, five or six on the left, uh, two on the far right. So, I mean, there, there are candidates very close in their, uh, in their propositions. Uh, and so uh, clearly it's, it's, it's not so difficult for a voter to say, okay, this week I'm going to vote for Zemmour or this week I'm going to vote for Le Pen. And, and so the change can be very quick and, and difficult to, to really uh, measure. So we have to be very careful about that and to know that it's possible that the result of the election is going to be a bit different than the poll. So, so that's normal that we have these critics. My concern is less about the quality of polling and the impact of polling on, on the way uh, uh, people are voting. I mean, I don't think polling is influencing really and changing the vote of people. But my concern is the fact that if you look at this campaign, which was not very interesting, the only thing which was discussed in the campaign was polling. And every day you have this, I mean, we have two daily polling in this campaign. I've never done that in the past. So even for me, it's a nightmare. I, 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 sometimes I, I, I think that I'm only doing presidential election polling every day, which is not the case in my job normally. So, but uh, I'm pretty mad about that, but only two weeks to go. So it should be okay. Uh, but um, uh, clearly, uh, the fact that polling is, is occupying a so important place in the debate, in the media, in the commentary about the campaign, or what we call the horse races, that's not good. That's not good for democracy because we are not talking anymore about proposal, about uh, about agenda of the candidates, about what they are saying, uh, what they, they can uh, discuss uh, on, on different issues. Uh, even on Ukraine, we have more talk about the impact of Ukraine on the polls than the impact of Ukraine. I mean, what it changed, it has to change in, in the way that we are building the European Union, in the way that we are uh, regarding NATO, in the way that uh, we have to uh, uh, discuss tomorrow with Russia and to, uh, to have relationship with Russia and, and, and the US, for example. No, what Ukraine has changed in the, in the race, in the polling, and, uh, and that's... That's not a good thing. And I'm quite concerned about that. I don't have the solution because, I mean, if we are doing so much polling, it's because there's a lot of demand. And of course, as long as you have demand, it will have some, you will have some polls. But uh, we are trying a lot to explain polling is not the result of the election. There can be some differences and why, because of the fact that there can be a lower turnout than expected in or that we had in the past. Uh, we have a lot of people who are not totally convinced by the candidates they want to vote for uh, because also they have, we have very close candidates in the proposal so it can make some uh, uh, choice very different at the end. And we try to explain that and to, and, and to make people aware of that. But you, <laughs> even if you do that, I'm sure if tomorrow I have a poll saying, okay, on the second round, it's Le Pen 51 and uh, Macron uh, 49, everybody will say, oh, there's a poll saying that Le Pen is going to win, which is not the case. I mean, we'll be in the margin or if, or if we have that. So 
that's that's really a, a, a concern. I think that some critics are are quite good. The problem is that most of the critics are ideological. Are in in France, uh, we have a sociology school uh, with Bourdieu, which was very very strong against against polling. They have always only uh, said that the only research in sociology can be done with qualitative research, not quantitative research. And so and so the debate is very ideological, not really uh, technical, which is a problem because we have technical problems. We have to solve them and to fix them. We are discussing only about ideology. Mm, well, I mean, if there was no ideological debate, then I guess this wouldn't be uh, this wouldn't be France. Um, but we're, we're going to leave it there, uh, uh, Bruno. But before I let you go and get back to your polls, uh, I am going to invite you, like my other guests, to take part in our Q and A lightning section. Um, it is very simple. I'm going to ask you three very very short questions. I'm going to ask you to provide three very very short answers. A kind of yes no, couple of words, nothing more. Is that okay for you? Yeah, of course. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, question number one. What was the main issue uh, during the uh, electoral campaign for the French presidency? Money, money, money. Uh, all was about <laughs> purchasing power in the country. Okay. Question number two. Will Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen be the two candidates qualified for the second round? Yes, I think. And question number three. Should we trust a pollster? to predict those results? Mm, I would say never trust a poster, but maybe you can trust his pose. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, a very, that's as good an answer as we can get. Thank you very much, Bruno, for taking the time uh, to join us today. And uh, good luck for the last few days of the, uh, of the campaign and obviously for election night, because I'm sure you will be under a lot of pressure on that evening. If you enjoyed listening to this show, then I definitely advise you to follow Bruno on Twitter. You can find him at uh, B. Jambar, and you should also uh, follow his company, Opinion Way, which is a trailblazer in uh, Europe on all sorts of innovative uh, research. They can be found on Twitter at Opinion Way uh, altogether and on the web at www.opinion-way.com. Oh, and if you read French, you can also order uh, Bruno's book, which is called La Présidence Anormale. It's a great analysis of the previous presidential term of uh, François Hollande. And of course, don't forget to follow IRI's activities. We're at IRI Global and obviously at Think Atlantic uh, for, um, uh, for this uh, podcast. And our website has not moved. It is www.iri.org. This is the end of this episode of Think Atlantic, the podcast that provides you with thought leadership for the future of the transatlantic space. Many thanks to Brianna Kerr and Romain Lequinu for producing this series. We will be back in two weeks to talk again about France, but this time about French foreign policy. And my guest will be French journalist Isabelle Lasser, who works at Le Figaro. But in the meantime, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show. And of course, share it with your friends and colleagues. We love it when we get more listeners. Thanks for listening in and talk to you soon.